Well, good morning, everyone. It's really good to have you here. Um, these past six weeks, we've been talking about being a generous church. And, you know, uh, that's the type of church that I think can be the greatest blessing, not only to our community, but to our world, is if we're generous and when we're generous. In my office, I have this jar of seeds, and it reminds me of a really clear principle, actually a biblical principle, that, um, you know, we come here every week and we worship God and we, we, we uh, lift up our voices like we just did. And we, we proclaim to him how great he is. But, you know, really, we need to go out in the world and be the type of Christian that we're modeling in this room. And, you know, these seeds in the, in the jar are seeds. But this jar is not where they're meant to ultimately be. Seed is meant to be taken out of this jar, put into a hand, and set free in the soil of the world. And you are meant not just to be here in a jar, but to move outside of here and and be planted in a world and reap a harvest for God. And we, as we talk about generosity, that's exactly what we're talking about. You taking which God has given and entrusted to you because God is the owner and giver of everything. And we're stewards, right? And we're to live our lives, giving him our first and our best, where we take what he's given to us and we plant it in the lives of others. And allow God to do great things and to transform in the lives of others as a result of using us. And so as we come to this last week of this series, I really want you to walk away with this because this is a biblical concept as revealed to us in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, open up there with me. And I'd like to read this. This is a principle that Paul has kind of given to us. And remember, Paul was talking to the church in Corinth because they said to him that we would like to be a generous church. We'd like to be generous to the church in Jerusalem who was experiencing great famine and people there had a lot of needs. And as I look at this, uh, they said we want to be generous, but they didn't follow follow it up with acts of generosity. They said, oh yeah, that's great. You can count on us, Paul. But a year went by And they did nothing. They gave nothing. And so he realized that you really can't be generous by just wanting to be generous. You have to be generous by being generous, by giving. And so he was calling them into a spirit of generosity and really showed them the reward of generosity through this. And I think we need to get this. We need to catch this as a congregation. This is what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 6. He says this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work as it is written. He is distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way and through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. 
by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You see what the end result of this whole conversation is? It's a picture of the cross. Because it was on the cross where God gave us everything we need for a relationship with him. By Jesus dying on the cross and him giving us eternal life through the work and the completed work of Jesus on the cross. We have salvation. We don't get salvation by coming to church, by giving in the offering, by being generous, by being nice. We can only receive salvation by receiving the gift of God that's been done for us on the cross of Jesus Christ. And so as we reflect that, we reflect that because God's a generous God. He's given us everything we need in a relationship with him. He's also given everything in our lives. He's the giver of everything in our lives because he's the rightful owner. We're not spenders. We're stewards. We've learned that up to this point. And what Paul is really calling us into is now, now that you're a steward, stout, start sowing because a man reaps what he's sown. If you sow, you will reap. And he said here, if you sow sparingly, You will also reap sparingly. If you sow generously, guess what? You'll reap generously. Isn't this principle true in everything we do? If you put a little seed in the ground, you get a little grass, right? But if you put a lot of seed in the ground, what? You get a lawn. Okay, so those of us, I'm, I'm very OCD when it comes to my lawn. And so I, I scatter a lot of seed on there because I know the more seed I put in there, hopefully the more lawn that I'll get. Now, this could be taken to excess and I could just carpet my lawn with seed. But I don't do that. I'm wise enough on that. But that's the whole picture. If you are you're someone who's been blessed by God and everything he's given you, then sow that plant that in the ground. Trust him. Give him your first and your best, not your last and your leftovers. Because it, really what this comes down to is you're going to, if you sow with fear when it comes to generosity, guess what will happen? You'll reap fear. And if you sow with faith, guess what will happen? You'll reap, you'll harvest faith in your life. Okay, I know this isn't rocket scientists. I know this isn't something that we go, wow, boy, Joe, I am so thankful I got up for you to teach me about this this morning. But the reality is this this something is so simple, yet so easily forgotten. We have made generosity complex and we just got to step back and really take a look at what God is doing when we're generous, what God wants to do and how he moves through generosity. It's far more than what we give up. And remember when if, if you were to die today or Jesus were to return to today, everything that you have. That will not last for eternity. Will will perish. It'll be gone. I've done a lot of funerals as a pastor. I've never yet seen a U-Haul at at the cemetery with people trying to pack it in. You can't take it with you. So we've learned through this series that three things last forever: that God, His Word, and people last forever. 
And so we're people who want to take what God has given us and transfer it into things that last forever. So look at what God does when we're generous. Remember that we've up to this point, we've talked about God giving everything to us. And then we aren't just to receive it and to spend it. We're to take it and transfer it from the lives of others. And as others receive it and as needs are met in the lives of others, guess what? They thank God because he provided for them through us. And then they give glory to God because of his provision in their lives. So God ends up receiving more glory when we're generous. That's the picture. I don't know if you've ever received something from someone where you were praying for it and God answered it in your lives and then you just said, God, thank you for doing that. When I was a uh, second year student at uh, Dallas Theological Seminary, I ran out of money through my seminary education. And I didn't know what I was going to do. So I started praying. I said, God, help me find a job. I really need a job to help paying for seminary because I didn't want to take on debt because us pastors aren't known for high salaries. And so um, I didn't want to pay debt with my education. So I started praying. And in that one week, I got a job. I got a job delivering newspapers for the Dallas Morning News from 2.30 in the morning till 7.30 in the morning. It was a job. It was a job. And then I received in the mail, I received a check. Someone was thinking of me and they sent. They knew I was in seminary. They were a family friend. And they gave me a check for that semester's worth of education. Okay? Now, what did I do when I received this? I know it's phenomenal, supernatural. This is how God works. But I said, God, thank you. And I talked to Joan and Dan Drought, who wrote that check. And I said, Joan and Dan, thank you so much. And I gave glory to God through that. You know what they said? Well, thank you for allowing us to, to, do, to advance God's kingdom in your life. And to this day, they still do that. You know, it's changed the way I give. I not only give here at the church, I look for people who I can be spontaneous with in giving so that people in need can thank God. God uses me and you to meet the needs of people. This is how he works. Could he drop a bushel of diamonds in the lives of people if they prayed for it? Yes, he could. But he would rob us of the experience. And that's what God does. He calls us into the experience of being a person of faith. To where we can be used, where he's entrusted everything in our lives to meet the needs of others. I'll just be honest with you. We've learned and we're learning through this series. This is how God works. One week we went home and we said, let's give God 10%, that biblical benchmark of generosity. Let's give him 10% of all our food. So you went home and you loaded up a box of 10% of the food in your homes and you brought it back here to church. We loaded up a truck. We took it down to speak a rescue mission and distributed that 10% of food to families of need in our community. And guess what they did? Topeka Rescue Mission said, God, thank you. God, thanks for providing We've this year we've given over more than we gave out all of last year because of the need in Topeka. So when Fellowship Bible Church showed up and blessed them with over four tons of food, they thanked God for us. And guess who gets the glory? God does. We don't. We don't get the glory. We were just part of it. 
And then we went home that next week and we looked through all our clothing and we gave away 10% of our clothing. Remember, it was our first and our best, not our last and our leftovers. So we went and gave clothing that people could wear immediately. We didn't give winter parkas or anything like that. We gave summer clothing because people coming into the summer months really needed to use that. And you went home and last weekend, ready? You gave over 15,000 pounds of clothing. Now, what is this telling us? We're really blessed, right? When I went through my closet and gave 10%, I go, what is that? It didn't even make a dent. It didn't even make a dent. I know some of you are thinking, wow, I freed up some more room so I can go out and shop some more. But, but the reality is we're, we're telling we are really blessed. And that whole process, process showed us to be thankful for what we have. But you know what the people at the Topeka Rescue Mission said? To God be the glory. See that God gets the glory through it. So we're just taking something that we're not going to have for eternity. That's something that God's just given us for this life. And we've transferred it into something that can ultimately give God glory. That's all that generosity is. So Paul says, give then out of faith. Give faithfully. Give joyfully. Give expectantly, and we'll talk about this, and give thankfully. You know, when a farmer goes and plants seed, and I'm banking on it, okay, because we're all from Kansas now, so I'm banking that some of you actually grew up on a farm. And you know what we're talking about, because in the, in the, in the fall, when you plant a field of wheat, you see something like this. You know, it's not that attractive, but if you're a farmer, you know exactly what that is. You meant your work is done. You took the seed that you had and you planted it. You cultivated the ground and you planted it into the ground. And and at that point, you know, those of us who didn't grow up on a farm, we go, well, what's in that field? And the farmer knows. Farmer knows work's done. And they plant it expectantly. They plant it knowing that they've been doing this for a long time. And it probably doesn't even sound like faith to them, but they knew that when they put seed in the soil and that the soil would get enough rain over the winter and the soil would get enough sunlight and warmth and and that seed would germinate and it would start to grow. They know they, they would know that the harvest, because over and over of planting and harvesting from their fathers and his fathers before their fathers, this happening over and over, they started to get it. They got it that they give expecting this. A field full of wheat. And so when you're generous, you need to think and give expectantly. Because you don't just throw it into the ground and walk away. You, you pray that when you give, God, would you advance your kingdom in this community and the world whenever we're generous here? You give expectantly. Several years ago when we built this building, and we were a third of the size that we are right now, we literally build, built this building expectantly. We built a building or made a field as large as three times the size that we were because we felt that God wanted us to reach you and two, every person reaching two more people. And so, so therefore we built this and this room is kind of full right now because the harvest has happened. The harvest has happened. People reached other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God's kingdom advanced. And therefore, we give thankfully then. God, you've done it in the past. You'll do it in the future. Here, 
I trust you. I'm not going to eat all my seed. I'm not going to consume all my seed. I'm not going to give my last and my leftovers. Here, off the top, I trust you. Now, God, would you do something with that? Would you take something that, you know, we get in debt on, and we get in fights about, and we worry about, and we get fearful about. Would you take something and grow my faith through that? That's all we're talking about. And some of you, a lot of you, are moving this series from a, from a moment to a movement in your lives. And as your pastor, I really think we've got a defining moment here in the history of our church. The history of our church. So with many of you, we're already seeing a spike in generosity here. And, and we want to be people who are faithful and joyful and expectant and thankful in our giving. But yet we still are going to have the reality of life. And the reason that I've gone with three boards here is I've tried to give a three-dimensional approach to this whole conversation. I don't know if you grew up in the church or you hold giving against the church or how bad people have asked for money in the past. This is not asking things from you. This is looking for things for you. Because the reality is we come to this topic and we look at what we have or we don't have. And we kind of, before we even decide, before we even process it in our lives, we just make this statement. I can't afford to give. We make that statement and we look at what we don't have, not what we do have. We look at what's left over, not what's first and and best in our lives. And we go, I just can't. You you don't see my bills. You don't realize the realities I have, Joe. And, And so we go, no, no, I can't afford to give. And, and when we do that, we really rob ourselves of an opportunity. Because this whole series has, has, has given us an opportunity to really ask the question, when it comes to generosity, am I operating with fear or am I operating with faith? Am I skeptical about things, always asking questions, or do I trust the work of God in my life? Am I going to give sparingly? Or am I going to sow generosity in my life? And finally, am I going to seek to control things? Or am I going to set them free in the hands of God? Can I just tell you, this does not just relate to generosity. This is everything to do with faith. If you're here this morning and you're struggling with a chemical addiction, it's going to come down to this reality. It's going to come. Am I going to be a person of fear? Am I afraid of life without this? With the next drink, with the next, you know, time I shoot up, the next smoke, whatever it is, whatever it is, it really comes down to am I going to be a person of fear or faith? Am I going to ask the what ifs and let the what ifs dominate my life? Or am I going to trust God? It comes down to this in anything. So if you, you are dealing with sexual immorality in your life and you're just going, no, no, I got to have that in my life. It's just such a big thing. You're operating with fear because you're afraid of what your life will be like with Christ rather than life without Christ in that area of control in your life. If you're here and you struggle with gossip, You know, you're constantly talking about someone, constantly tearing someone down. You're afraid that if you were kind, 
if you were encouraging, if you tried to build someone up rather than tear them them down, people wouldn't respect you. People wouldn't be your friends. You wouldn't have the position you have right now. So we try to control it rather than setting it free. So generosity is just one of those other issues of faith that wherever we come to faith, there's going to be fear. Why? Because it's the unknown in our lives. We don't know what's going to happen to us if we really trusted God. So that's why we're called into a regular pattern of dependence and trust of God with everything he's given us. And that's why we've really got to say no to a pattern that's very, very common in our lives inside as well as outside of the church. And it's this concept that God exists to give me everything. And we're to operate with that. And we keep praying that we would have more things and we'd be more happy if I had this position and this income and this status and and consume these things. And all along the line, we're cutting out, we're building a wall due to our, you know, due to our consuming of everything and spending everything. And we block out others. And we keep others isolated from the flow of our things. And we think that this is the satisfying life. This is the fulfilled life. This life is content when I have more things. And all along, we realize that when we block that flow of what God wants to do through generosity in our lives, we end up being more discontent. When we look at our finances, we become more depressed. Because they're ending in us. And there's never enough to satisfy what we want. We become thankless in a relationship with God. We keep praying for more, but never thanking him for what he's already applied in our lives. And here's the great word for America right now. As much as I love this country, we're coming up with this word. We're feeling more and more empty, even though we've never had more things. And that's not how I want you to live. Remember, I'm here to prepare you to meet God. And when you meet God, he's going to ask you, what did you do with Jesus? Did you trust him? Did you believe him? And what did you do with what I gave you, what I entrusted to you to advance the kingdom of God? How'd you do that? Were you a steward or were you just a spender? You see, what this is showing to us is this type of life really is empty because it's just about us. It's not about God and others. And what I want you to get throughout this whole series is this, that if you come here and you think you can afford, you can't afford to give, I'm just going to do this. You can't afford not to give because I can't afford not to give. Uh, This is what I get. I can't afford that in my life. I want a life full and rich with Christ. And so as I give, I my and God, whatever God's entrusted me flows through my life. It doesn't stop up and stagnate in my life. It doesn't just just end with me and dead end in my life. It moves through me into others. And others see that and others receive that and others thank God for that and others get, give glory to God for that. Man, you want to light up a life. You want a content life. You want a thankful life. Man, generosity is the way to go. Folks, you cannot afford not to give. So here's the call. 
Each week we talk about the potential dimension is if we if we just trusted what God says, if we just got in that grid of that cycle of generosity in our lives where God's things flow from us to us, through us to others and others give thankfulness to God and others give glory to God. Well, that's the whole picture. So ultimately, what we're sowing in life has a great effect on what we reap in life. And so this has been a really great call, not only for me, but for so many of you who decided that I'm going to move outside of fear and I'm going to sow faith in my life. I'm going to trust God. And what you're finding is that you have God's freedom. Your freedom from bondage, your freedom from that debt, because you started to implement some systems in your life that say, I'm going to be someone who gives God my first and my best, not my last and my leftovers. I'm going to be a man. I'm going to be a woman of faith. Now, is there pushback on this? Does it happen instantly where you get that freedom? No, there's a lot of new normals. Yesterday, I ran in the spring burn. Actually, I didn't run. I walked. And uh, there was a guy and I mean, there's a lot of people doing the 15K run and the 5K run. And I I uh, have a little bit of exercise asthma and I, I didn't want to wheeze last night when I was preaching. So I just thought I'd walk and I looked around me and I thought, who's the most out of shape person that I see? And I'm going to walk with that person. So I chose a guy I thought was really out of shape and uh, got in the back and they said, go. And this brother was a, a race walker, had no idea. Didn't look like none of them look like race walkers, but this guy just you know started walking like this, and I'm going, wow, looks like a horse, not a human, and he started walking, and he was smoking me, and I was trying to walk and keep up with him, and my shin started burning the first quarter mile, and I thought there's no way, and he said, yes, I walk in a way so that if you run and you stop, I beat you. I said that's fantastic, have a good walk. And so I went alone for most of that race. (laughs) And if you were there, if you were there and there were a bunch of people encouraging you along the way, you know what none of them said? Stop. Stop, Joe. You can't do this. None of them so told me that. They were people who were positive, who were encouraging, who built you up, didn't tear you down. Some of you are making decisions that you have yet to experience God's freedom. Matter matter of fact, you feel it more more like slavery. You're starting to give in a new normal. You're starting to give and you're realizing, boy, we've started giving the last two weeks. And you know what? We're fighting more in my home. It's not a home of peace. We're fighting because we don't feel we have enough money. Yeah, you're going to get that because your muscles, your spending muscles are going to be strained right now. It's like me in the 5K. They're going to hurt. They're going to hurt. Do you think I should go? Stop it. Just, you know, if it hurts, stop. I don't want you to have any hurt here following Jesus. Don't do that. No. I'm going to say, come on. You'll get used to this. This will be a defining moment of change in your life. And it's change for the better. We don't want this. We want more of that. So keep it up. Keep doing that. Give faithfully. And as you give faithfully and experience God's freedom, then you can sow joy in your life. And what do you get? You get more of God's love in your life. Why? God loves a cheerful giver, this passage says. God takes great pleasure when we give and we're not reluctant. 
And we're not feeling, you know, like someone's twisting our arms. And that's what we've always called you to. We've never been people who put pressure on you for giving. We're never going to threaten you. And isn't it good that our needs right now as a church are met? I would, I would really be careful in, in a church that's constantly saying, if you don't give, we're turning off the lights. We're shutting the doors. We're out of here. You know, don't do that. Because we've got to be people who are good stewards of everything God has entrusted to us. Right now, we're able to give 17% of, of everything God has entrusted to us in this church, outside of this church, into the community. See, that's a, that's a transforming church. That's becoming more and more of a generous church. And the more people who are generous here, the more, not that we can consume here, it's not about us. And the more we can send out there and get in organizations like Young Life and Youth for Christ and, and uh, the bridge in this community and, and uh, the rescue mission and caring pregnancy options and advancing the kingdom of God into environments like that. The more we can reach out through missionaries in other, in other nations and, and be a church that's generous and people will give glory to God because of us. Because of us. And we all can be involved in that. However small, however great our contribution is. And we receive a greater picture of God's love. I'll tell you, when I've shared one of the greatest things God has given with me, with others, when I've been generous with the gospel, I see God's love more in the lives of people. Some of you are here because um, and are praising God now because I shared the gospel with you. And you trusted Jesus and what he's done on the cross for you. And for me to know about that and for me each week as I come around and as I sing, here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. I mean, I well up in thankfulness that God could use me to steward the gospel in your life and you would believe in him and you're giving glory to him. See, the harvest is sweeter when you've been a part of God's process with that rather than just let it dead end with you and say, God, give me, give me rather than God, what can I give to advance your kingdom in the world today? We're also to give with expectation. And as we give with expectation, guess what we get? We get God's reward. It's the harvest. We get his work and the harvest of God's work in the lives of people. So when you give, don't just let it dead end. Think about that farmer and the field. Think about once he's planted, then you go, God, now take it and grow it. Paul says one man plants, one man waters, but who causes the growth? God causes the growth. We're not accountable. We're really not accountable. When we share with the gospel, you can't save anyone. You can just be faithful with planting it, right? We aren't guaranteed that every seed that we scatter out in generosity will actually advance the gospel every, every time we do it. No, but we're going to die trying and we're going to plant it in every soil we possibly can. Because we expect God to work. God is living. God is active. He is working. He is powerful. He is transforming people. So we want to be a church that's always available to him to trust us with people, to trust us with resources so that we can direct it in a way that advances his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We look for God's reward. And don't we all want God to say to us, just seriously, don't we want God to say to us, well 
done. Good and faithful servant. I do. I do. And I know you do. See, for many of you, this has not been an issue of active rebellion. It's just been, I've never known. I've never known this. I come here every week and it's good. The lights are on. The place is cool. I get some waters and some, some cookies. Everything seems fine around here. And you know what? We can keep that going with a minimal existence of, of giving. But when we talk about really being a church that's not just consumed with itself, not just spending it all within the walls of this church. You see, we're trying to model in this place and outside of this place what we want you to be inside and outside of this place. We want you connected inside this church. We also want you connected outside this church. Advancing the kingdom of God in this community. And so when we talk about service and ministry, some of you are going to be involved inside here. Others are going to be involved outside of here. Most pastors would go, no, no, keep them in. you got to keep them inside that church. That's how you keep them. No, you keep people by setting them free to be all that God has created them to be. So at any time, you're free to leave and go someplace else if this isn't the church you're growing. But now is the time, if you want to be a part of this, to commit to what God is doing here. Because it's not hard if you're involved here to see God's reward in our very in front of our very eyes. And if you're here and you're giving and you don't have a lot of joy, get involved because you will see the work of God in people's lives. In, in two weeks, we're going to be having Super Kids Super Camp here. And, and uh, we fund that camp. And we also, you know, we, we ask for, you know, we, we have a tuition for that camp also. But we fund all the other things for that. And the great thing about it is there's over 300 children signed up for that. And we'll see the work of God. Every week as I see different ministries around us, I see that. I see God's reward. Get involved if you can't see that. And then give with thankfulness. As we sow thankfulness in our lives, guess what we reap? We reap God's glory. Because here's the deal. Thankfulness fuels worship. And once you worship, what do you do? You give God glory. And you know, as I think about it, when I come here and I'm thinking, God, you didn't do this for me. You better do this for me. I'm not thankful, right? And so I find that get in the way of my worship here. When I think about, God, what can what this church do for me? I don't know if I like that. And I don't know if I like that. That's not a thankful heart. You're never going to agree with everything, everything that happens here. Never. 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 Because we're broken people. And, and if you look in the mirror, so are you. <laughs> you are. And we all are. So so we're not perfect people, but we're trying to follow someone who is perfect, and that's Jesus. But when we come and we realize what we have in Christ, and that breeds thankfulness, guess what? I see more of God's glory. I get more of God's glory. That's the picture. And it all happens when we move away from fear and we start being men and women of faith. When we move away from spending it all and... And so we're ended up with the, just the leftovers instead of taking the first to the harvest. 
our first and our best and trusting it in the hands of God to increase his kingdom on this earth as it is in heaven. You know, we've been very open, very honest with you through this time. And uh, we understand that this is a lot of life change for you. But you know what? On the other side of it, this is a defining moment for all of us. And we didn't want to just, you know, put pressure on you. We didn't want to just make an appeal and twist some arms so that we could give you the spike giving, you know, in one month. We wanted this to be something that actually turned into a pattern that was every month, every month. You can count on me. I will be faithful from here on out. And whenever we make a commitment like that, folks, we have a time to, to, make, move, to move a, a moment into a movement in all of our lives. And we are part right now, based on what we've seen on food and clothing and based on what we're starting to see in generosity here, of a movement. Of a time we can all look back and go, you know, when God really spoke to our hearts about everything he's given to us and how we're stewards, not spenders, we started to make some changes so that we could give him our first and our best and allow him to advance his kingdom through our lives. Now's that time. It's happening. And in our last, this is our last message in this series, I don't want anyone to be left out of this movement. So if you believe in Jesus and you're part of this church, Start implementing generosity here. We said that uh, over the course of this month, that whatever giving was this month, we would want to depend on that for every month from here on out. And so what you give in the month of May, we want you to give in the month of June and July and August. I know what you're thinking. I'm traveling in June, July and August. That's why we're saying be faithful Be faithful, start being faithful now and be faithful in the other months there as we plan. Because that's what we're going to be planning the next year's budget off of is May. And we're doing that. We're not going to put a thermometer on the stage and say, oh, we're almost there. We're not going to have little cards that you fill out. We're not going to do a big stewardship campaign where we send people over to your house and twist arms and things like that. We're simply going to say, don't just talk generous. Be generous, give, and whatever we give this month, that will be what we what we count on for every month from here on out. And we're starting to see God move. And as your pastor, it's an honor. I've been here before with this congregation where God has called us to be people who moved out of fear into faith. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like this. Get on board to this train of generosity. And watch God work. Give expectantly. Give thankfully. And watch God move among us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the owner and giver of everything. We own nothing. We're stewards. You've given us so much. And Lord, up to this point, before this series, we really felt the need. We've got to... We've got to call each other. We've got to be a family. We want to be a family who wants to be generous. And yet we realize it doesn't rely on just a few people. It relies on all of us to be generous, for us to be a generous church. So, Lord, may your spirit work through us. May we have an appetite for generosity. We may, may we have a vision for you moving stuff through us into others' lives and ultimately ending up in thanksgiving and glory to your name where we reflect the greatest gift ever given to us, 
the gift of Jesus. Thank you for your indescribable gift, for it's in his name that we pray. Amen.